Good evening, good morning, good day, wherever you are in this beautiful world. I just finished wrapping up this episode with Coot Blackson for episode 122. And let me tell you, it's amazing. Whether you're going through a transformational period in your life, whether it be a breakup or going to a new job, this is going to speak to you. I feel that a lot of my episodes have serendipitous timing. So a lot of people I've talked to recently that listen to the show have mentioned some kind of trans uh, transition that they're making in their life. And this episode with Coot was timed at the most perfect timing and I'm so excited to be sharing this for everyone that's making these decisions in their life that are big that are small whatever it may be you're in for a real treat today a charismatic visionary and transformational teacher Coot offers a fresh bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation born in Ghana West Africa Coot's multicultural upbringing as the child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father has spanned four different continents his unique lineage lays the foundation for his approach to breaking down barriers and unlocking an individual's true gifts and greatness. Coot quickly learned that the outside-in approach favored by so many in the personal development space had to become an inside-out approach. So he decided to create his own method, a process that liberates the individual and the true self at the core and then pushes those gifts outward into the universe. This helps the individual get in touch with who they really are. It is a process of breaking free so that the individual can live, give, and share the truest expression of their self. This is what Coot calls liberated living. Colored with experiences from his own incredible journey, Coot's debut book, You Are the One, published by Simon & Schuster and released worldwide on June 7th in 2016, shows readers how to unlock their true potential and live a life they love through love. Coot is a next-generation world leader out to awaken millions to love and to live their inspired destiny. Exceptional episode. Loved it. Had so much fun. You're going to learn loads. Trust me, this is not an episode you want to miss out on. His book, You Are the One, uh, we, we go into some detail over some of the things that he covers in the book, but you really cannot get the full picture of how you truly can become the one and what you are the one really means without reading this book so I highly recommend you go to the show notes for this episode 122 get the book put it on your kindle put it on your nightstand wherever it may live but check it out read it and 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 highlight that baby up because you're going to absolutely love it feeling really empowered to take responsibility for your life something we can all continue to do more of before we head on into the show here is the review of the week and this comes from it's real And they say, fresh air, exhale, with five stars. What a breath of fresh air Maddie Moon's podcast is for me to listen to. If you are too tired of dieting and exercise madness, please listen. Maddie is is sincere and confident and her perspective is so, her perspective is so common, sensical and necessary for our time. I love listening, great perspective. Thank you so much. It's real. You guys are amazing. Everyone who leaves a review, I appreciate it tenfold so much. That is a great free way to support the podcast. So if you've been listening for years and if you're gaining insight every single Wednesday, please leave a review on the show. Let me know what you love about it. And that's going to help me stay on up there in the iTunes ranking. And that's where I want to be. Not for egotistical reasons, but so that more people can reach this message and more people can hear awesome people like Coot and Ruby and Katie Delbout and 
Megan Hale and Carson Dupree and all these wonderful people I have on this show, I want their messages to get out. I want the message of liberation, self-love, worthiness to get out. So leaving a review is a very awesome and very free way to be able to do that. The next thing I wanted to talk with you about today is the profound impact that I'm already seeing in the Freedom Lounge. My group coaching program was created because I have a lot of people reaching out to me for one-on-one coaching and whether it be because I already have too many clients and I can't accept more or it's financial reasons or it's timing or whatever it may be, I can't always work with everyone. So I decided to create the Freedom Lounge so that I can help people gain the freedom that they really want in their lives without having to do the one-on-one work right now. That doesn't mean in the future we won't work together in one-on-one, but for right now, this is a great place for people who want more inspiration, more motivation, They want a coach in their corner and they want assignments to do every week to progress. One of the best parts of my one-on-one coaching is that I give people assignments to do once we get after the call, after our call, and that's when the real work begins, when you're with yourself and you're having to do the work and put everything we talk to into action. So one of the aspects of the Freedom Lounge is that you have assignments. Just in the first video I gave all of the members five assignments that they had to complete and then they go into the Facebook group and they share and there's community and then there's the um, exclusive interview every single month and this first month I had my coach on which was incredible and we had our first group coaching call which was also so powerful because every single woman that did show up could ask a question and we went over where they were in their life and it was that one-on-one attention And it was just really great. It's a wonderful way to be able to have the coaching you crave and the freedom you desire without yet having to full-on commit to one-on-one coaching. And not to mention, the Freedom Lounge is less than 4% of what my one-on-one coaching costs. So if you want to have a coach without making that full-on financial investment yet, this is a wonderful place to still get the same vibes and energy you would get if you had a call with me every other week but being able to be in a membership platform and to be able to be in group coaching. And so you have other people alongside you doing this with you. So if you want to sign up, it's only 57 a month. And for 57 a month, you're getting at least a thousand dollars worth of insight because you're getting insight from whoever the guest interviewer is that week. You're getting insight from the exercises you're doing, the videos. There's a book club aspect, so you're going to be recommended an incredible book that we'll all read together. You'll be getting resources from around the web. Everything that I'm loving that month, I'm going to be putting in the membership group. So it's Maddie's monthly favorites kind of thing, and I'll be putting in all of the most inspirational gems that I find for that month inside of the lounge. So this week, I found this really amazing manifestation course and I've been doing it myself. I have it right beside me and it goes through the whole manifestation formula and that's absolutely free and I put that inside of the lounge but you can only get it when you're in the lounge. So if you're feeling called to join, you can sign up for this month, test it out. If you don't like it, there's no contracts. You can cancel anytime. Go to thefreedomlounge.com, watch the video on there where I tell you a little bit more about it read about all the goodies included, sign up for a month, see how you like it, join in on the coaching call, ask me your questions, talk to me personally. I would love to have you in there. And if you do have questions, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Hello at maddiemoon.com. Let's see, other things I want to announce. Um, I'm getting some intuitive feelings that I want to put the next forever free retreat on hold. I had originally planned for December 1st through the 4th to be the next one, but... I have something else that I'm focusing on right now that I'm very excited about. 
Um, and that's going to be happening in January. It's a two-day seminar, January 14th and the 15th. Stay tuned. Be on my email newsletter to get notified of the sign-up for that, of the website, so you can attend. We are accepting, me and Amanda Juran are accepting 75 people to come to this. We made it much more affordable than most seminars because we want to make sure that we get all the people included that want to be included. It's going to be here in Boulder, Colorado at the amazing Integral Center. We're so excited about it. Um, I, as of right now, October 7th is when I am I'm recording this. I don't have the website up yet, but I have a call with Amanda right after I finish putting together this podcast. So we're going to put together the website, the webpage for setting it up. By next week, when this when this goes live on the twelfth, I'm already have that page up. So if you want to be notified of it, make sure you're on my email list and you you get on my email list by signing up for that free course on my website, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. If you haven't done that course yet, I really recommend it because that's a powerful, very great way to kickstart some inspiration and your own freedom journey. So make sure you're on that. But me and Amanda have been working behind the scenes on this event. We're so excited, and I would love to have everyone that feels called to to join the seminar come because it's going to be powerful and it's going to be a soul sisterhood bonding experience where you learn what more there is to life than what you're currently living for if you're feeling stuck if you're going through a transitional period if you have fears holding you back if you're afraid of facing rejection this is the place you want to be more than that you get to hang out with me and amanda and we have so much insight to be sharing and bring to the table i want you to play bigger in your life and this is how i'm going to help you do it so that's really where my focus is. I was really excited about having this next retreat in December, but I can sometimes plan too many things at once and I really want to stay focused on this event for right now. So putting the forever free retreat on hold, that's not to say there's not going to be one coming up soon. So if you would like to go ahead and apply for that for the next one and have your name at the top of the list to be notified, then you can still apply for that by going to maddiemoon.com coaching, scrolling down the page to retreats and clicking apply now. And you'll be notified of the next one that I have. And who knows, it might even be somewhere else like Kauai. What? Kauai? Wouldn't that be cool though? I'm, I'm playing with that idea. And the other thing I wanted to say is that I'm also playing with another idea of doing a workshop in Europe because I will be going straight to Frankfurt, Germany at the end of January and I'll be in Germany, Poland, and probably Czech throughout the month of February. So if you're in any of those places and you can hop on a train and come over to Germany for a workshop that I may host, let me know. I would appreciate if you emailed me to let me know, hello at maddiemoon.com or using the contact page on my website to let me know. That's really easy for me to keep track of. If you do an Instagram direct message or a Facebook or something like that, it's really hard for me to keep people all in the same place. But if you can email me, I can create a nice, neat little folder in my Gmail and reach out to everyone that says, yeah, I would love to come to a workshop. Let you know the date and the time. It's just an idea I'm playing out with right now. It kind of depends on how many people reach out to me and say, yes, they'd be down for it. If I get just a few responses, then maybe it could happen, maybe not. But if I get uh, anywhere from 10 to 50, then I will probably put that into action because even 10 is enough people for me to say, okay, cool, let's do this. Because 
when am I going to be able to meet you again? I don't know. I mean, hopefully I'll be coming to Germany quite a few more times the next few years, but this is already planned. I already have my tickets and everything, so I might as well just put my feelers out now. That was a lot of announcements. I know you're just like, come on, Maddie, I want some inspiration and some freedom and some insights. Let's go. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Super excited today as always, but today we're talking with Coot Blackson, who wrote a book called You Are the One, and it's an exceptional book. If you think about inspiration, I can live out my dreams, I'm excited about life types of books, this is the book. This is the book for you. So I'm delighted to have him on today so we can ask him questions about this process of writing this book, his incredible background, his story, and I think it's going to be really inspiring for anyone that's ready to take that next level in their lives and break their limiting beliefs and really step into their own power. So, Coot, thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Been looking forward to uh, being on. Wonderful. So one of the first things we always do on this show is I give the guests time to explain some of their background and their story and how they got to where they are today. And that's a very powerful part of your own book and all of the things that kind of led up to you being this exceptional transformational coach. So please dive on in and give us some insight sure, into your background. Sure. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's uh, Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the U.S. for over 18 years now. So I've always felt like a citizen, you know, of the world. And uh, my, I remember being around age five and my first, one of my first memories were actually two things. Well, the first thing was I always felt this deep burning desire to serve people, this deep burning desire. Like I was here for a reason that was bigger than myself. I didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I remember being age five, age six, feeling this calling to, to, and a, and a love for humanity. And, and, and also around that time, I remember being, I was a chubby kid and I was uh, lost in the crowd in, in Ghana, West Africa. And I literally remember seeing this crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, you know, what really impacted me was I grew up seeing the seemingly impossible happen. We're talking about 
blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people standing up out of wheelchairs. My, th this man who Sanchi picked up was my father. And so I was privileged to be around a, a really unique and, and great man and just observe and watch a man of tremendous faith and he would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say why are you sitting in the wheelchair you know stand stand up you're not sick he had such faith to look at someone and see the truth of them so that really impacted the core of my being and I, as a young boy i was always curious and obsessed with life trying to figure out life and you know people often ask when did i get started in the personal gro growth field for me it was it was always in my veins it was always in my blood uh age eight i started asking questions i remember asking questions of who are we and why we're here and what's the purpose of life and you know what's what's the nature of existence so why are some people who have let's say everything completely miserable why do some people have nothing seem happy fulfilled and, and so aj i started reading books uh read my first self-help book when i was around eight, eight, nine by a woman called Shakti Gawain. She wrote a book called Creative Visualization. But also around that time, a pivotal moment in my life happened where my father had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London, hundreds of thousands of followers. And age eight, he threw me in front of his audience and I, I got to speak in front of 6,000 people. That was the beginning of, of, of the beginning, you could say. And uh, something switched on inside of me. And so week after week, month, month after month, uh, I was often speaking in my father's audiences and churches. Age 14, I was ordained as a minister to take over his whole spiritual organizations with two, 300,000 people. I mean, he had a lot of, of, of followers, members in his congregation. Uh, but I knew in my heart that I wanted to impact people, but I knew in the depth of my heart that my, this wasn't my path. I knew that my path wasn't to do it through religion or the church or some structure, that I was really kind of, uh, my father had a vision for my life and how I should be. And what I've seen in life is there's often no shortage of people that, that think they know what's best for us, think they know what's best for our lives, think they know what we should do. And my father felt he knew what was best for me and everyone had their hopes on me. And, and the truth was, I knew that wasn't my path and, and yet I, I didn't say anything and I did not acknowledge the truth because I was afraid. I was afraid of the consequence. I was afraid if I spoke my truth, if I lived my heart, if I followed my own kind of soul's inkling, even though I didn't know exactly where that would lead me, that I would be outcast, that it would be abandoned, that I would lose the relationship with my father, I would uh, ultimately be alone. And I think one of the deep fears is we're often, we often all as human beings have a sense of the truth in our hearts, what we sense, what we feel, what we know, maybe about a relationship, you know, this relationship isn't quite right for me or about the job that we're doing that's not really in alignment with our souls. But we're often, one of the things that keeps us stuck, I found, is we're often compromising the truth, the truth of what we know inside because we're afraid of the consequences, you know, and so uh, for me, it was it was it was pretty scary. So for about four years, I just kind of went along with it. And uh, it was it was painful, because deep down, I knew that something else was calling me. I didn't know what, but I knew it in my heart. And uh, I didn't want to rock the boat. You know, I didn't want to hurt anyone. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I wanted to be the good boy. The, 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 I wanted to be normal and fit in and not make any waves. But after uh, about four years, I was 18, and I realized I had to make a decision either to go to university or what I was going to do with my life. And uh, I looked into my future, and I saw that the life I was living was not the life I was meant to live. And I looked into my future, and I realized I could be successful by everyone else's standards in the world. But if I didn't have myself, if I wasn't being true to myself... I was just selling myself out in order to just be accepted, loved, and validated that I would be miserable. And so I, I finally, uh, you could say, uh, stood up 
and uh, came out and, and had the conversation with my father. And that was really uh, a pivotal, challenging moment in my life. You could say the moment I became a man and, and took my power back. And, and once I had the conversation, um, it was terrifying. It was it was scary. It was it was it was all of those things. We didn't speak for a few years, but I f- I found and what that really taught me was when we really honor our truth, when we honor the truth of our heart, the truth of our being, when we honor what we really know, our true soul's calling, and when we are obedient to listening to the truth that is deep within us, and I believe there's a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level we are everything. Then the universe really aligns to support us in living what it is that we are meant to truly live. And so I ended up winning, if you can believe it, literally winning in the green card lottery, a green card. And for me, that was a uh, a sign and a symbol that I was universe saying, Coot, you're on the right path. You know, you're on the right path. And, and so I felt incredibly supported. And that's when I came to the U.S., two suitcases, knew no one. Um, had read like 800 books in the field of personal growth, spirituality, meditation, psychology, uh, self-help at that point. And they came to the U.S. with two suitcases, one suitcase full of books, one suitcase full of clothes, $1,000, and went and found teachers and mentors and some of the self-help gurus and icons and, and then started traveling the world and uh, went to places like Israel, studied with rabbis and uh, went to uh, Japan and studied Zen and went to India and Thailand and Bali, and all in search of answers. And that's when, uh, cut long story short, I came back to the West and after I thought I had certain awakenings and epiphanies within myself, came back and really wanted to share my joy, my happiness, the level of freedom I was feeling with with with, with everyone I knew. And that's when I started at that time coaching people one on one, and then one led to two, two led to ten, and it just started expanding until you know today. Uh, the privilege of having worked with well, you know, in the last fifteen or so years, everyone from billionaires, celebrities, athletes, mothers, children, you know. You salespeople, you name it, to you know the privilege of just traveling, you know, uh, around the world, sharing a message of love and inspiration. And now my "You Are the One" book has come out, uh, actually, uh, a few months back. So it's been a it's been an amazing journey, an amazing, uh, an, an amazing ride. But I grew up in the poorest part of London, a town called Peckham. Uh, one of the most dangerous parts when I was growing up, and you know, my family and I, we didn't have a lot of money. Madeline and, and so there we lived behind my father's church and we it, literally my room was so small you could barely fit a single bed in it and 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 it was no room to walk in my room and and I remember feeling so frustrated by my circumstance and yet I felt such big dreams in my heart and I was I would often be furious and and just it felt like it wasn't unfair because we, I didn't have a whole lot yet so I would sneak out into my father's church because we lived right next like literally behind it in the middle of the night 11 a.m to midnight you know 1 a.m and i sneak out and it was all the lights were off and i would literally for hours three four hours and i would speak to the empty chairs imagining myself inspiring thousands of people in an audience imagining myself imagining light bulbs going off people's lives being transformed their eyes transfixed looking at me and uh, so whenever i get the privilege to whether it's be on a on a on a call or being interviewed you know uh imagining people listening or being in front of an audience speaking around the world i'm deeply 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 privileged so for me what i do is is a calling you know i feel a, a deep calling to serve people your story is incredible. It's it's inspiring. I'm over here just smiling because this is one of those stories of you really just creating this 
person you are. You created it. You had these circumstances that could have cultivated resentment, um, being put in situations growing up and what you said was the poorest area and Mm. being put into a position where you really didn't feel like was true to you. But yet you said, this is what my heart desires. And you basically Mm -hmm. created visualization before I'm assuming before really you knew all that much about it because you're Mm -hmm. here, you created the life you dreamed. So I'm curious, how did you keep that attitude of, growth is awaiting me or there are possibilities instead of letting the circumstances, like I was just saying, hold you back. Because I know there are some people that listen to the show or people I've talked with. It's like, well, I grew up in this family and I had this happen and, and this thing. And I believe they're choosing to let something hold them back. How do you, how did you personally take responsibility for what happened in your life? Not fault, but responsibility and say, I'm going to make my own path without letting circumstances get in the way and the frustration yeah you know when i came to the u.s i literally i had a thousand dollars and i knew no one i knew i didn't i I landed at lax los angeles international airport and i just asked the taxi guy take me somewhere safe and cheap he dropped me off in, in in venice beach which at the time was not the safest place and uh I remember renting a $250 a month uh, tiny one-room studio. It wasn't even an an apartment. And, you know, I was – there was a period of time, honestly, Maddie, where I was was mad. I was mad at the world. I was – if I'm honest, I was mad at God because I felt like I was following my path. I was being obedient to my soul, and I was broke. I was unhappy. I didn't know anyone. I was struggling. I was – I was stealing – you could say stealing, but I was stealing um, bread from the supermarket because I didn't have enough money to eat. And so I would sit in my room, you know, just f- mad at my father because I felt like I had no support, nothing. And I felt like he should have supported me in some way, even if it was just emotionally. So I just felt like I was pretty much on my own. And I remember one day the shift happened for me. It was months after I came here. It was literally one day I was sitting in my apartment. I, I literally no furniture, a mattress I pulled off of the street that someone had thrown out. And I was having my pity party, you know, oh, woe is me, woe is me, God doesn't love me, life sucks, what have you. And I don't know what happened. It was a moment of grace, but it was like a spiritual slap in the face where I, I heard myself and I realized two things. Number one, all I am fixated about and fixated on is myself myself why isn't this happening why is it for me why isn't that happening for me why isn't god loving me why isn't it and i realized i was just in suffering because partly it was all about my selfingness that was the first thing the second thing i realized was wait a second i am so entitled and it was very difficult for me to to own because on some level reality showed hey i have nothing i should i should be entitled to something but i realized if I hold on to being this sense of entitlement, it's going to make me miserable and it's going to, it's going to disempower me. And I realized how entitled I, I was, how ungrateful I was. And what shifted for me is this realization in that moment that no one owes me anything. And I realized that part of my suffering in that moment was coming from because I had this belief, God owes me, life owes me, people owe me, my parents owe me. And I realized, wait a second, no one owes, owes me anything. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice to be treated well and for my father to be supporting it wouldn't be nice it would be nice but what i realized in that moment is nobody owes me a thing nothing my father's given me life 
and I looked at my body and I realized I am in supreme health. I'm in like incredible health. I can run 10 miles. I, I never get sick. And, and as I started to, the shift that happened for me was, is I started to take resp- radical responsibility for my life. And sometimes we don't take responsibility. We don't take full ownership. We're often playing a game of blame and shame and entitlement because once we take ownership, then there's no more excuse. We can't blame the government. We can't blame our parents. There's no one else to blame anymore. It's really on us. And that is sometimes scary, but I think it's the shift that needs to happen. If we're going to truly create uh, our visions that are currently unseen into physical, tangible reality. So when I made that shift, I, 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 it was as though feeling as I looked just even at my body that there are literally, there is a living, breathing miracle that's happening in my body right now that I have been given, that you and I, we've been given everything that we need. It's inside of us. Now, our job in this lifetime is to awaken that potential. Our job in this lifetime is to awaken the greatness. And everyone wants to be great, you know? I mean, at least most of us, on some level, we have a sense of we'd like to be great. That's why I think we're so fascinated by the Michael Jordans of the world, the Oprahs of the world, the Elon Musks of the world, the Bruce Lees, the great ones. You know, we see the great ones. We're like, oh, my God, I want to be them. We watch these award shows because there is an impulse of greatness inside of us. But very few of us are willing to do what it takes. And I think one of the first things is we have to be willing to tell the truth to ourselves about where we're stu- why we're stuck and where we're stuck and to be willing to feel that. Secondly, we have to be willing to take radical responsibility. So when I shifted to no one owes me anything, it forced me to access full responsibility. And somehow I started to access tremendous amounts of inner resources that really weren't accessible to me before because on some subtle level, I was abdicating responsibility. I was being a victim without even, without even knowing it. And I think we are way more powerful than we know. And I think in that moment, I also realized that wait, wait, wait a moment. You know, no one's, this is kind of what inspired my book is no one, no one's coming. You know, the government's not going to save me. My parents aren't going to save me. The aliens aren't coming. The fact is I'm here. We've been put here for a reason. Each and every one of us have incarnated into this human existence for a reason. And our dreams have chosen us for a reason. They've chosen us for a reason because you and I, we are the perfect people based on our past, based on our pain, based on our failures, based on our successes, based on everything to be able to fulfill, execute, to manifest the vision. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was just because we have the vision and just because we're here, Oprah is not going to knock on your door and say, hey, I've been waiting for you. You, you, you know, you're, like, you're the one I've been waiting for you. You know, uh, uh, Bill Gates isn't going to show up and say, hey, here's a million dollars in a briefcase. It's yours. Just have it. You know, if someone's overweight, no one else, you know, your, your loved one isn't going to go to the gym on your behalf and exercise for you and lose the 30 pounds. If, if we're going to make the shift, we have, we're the ones that, has, that really have to do it. And, and, and I think when that shift happened for me, it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a breakthrough moment. It was a breakthrough moment. And uh, living that way, I mean, I'd invite everyone to just live that way for a weekend. You know, even 24 hours, no one owes me anything. No one owes me anything. No one owes me even a phone call. No one even, n- n- nothing. It frees you. What it, what it does is it frees you up to no longer hold back. Well, if this person does this, then I'll do that. It's like, you know what? If no one owes me anything, because the truth is life has given me so much. Life has given me everything already that I need and no one owes me anything. Then, then it shifts your relationship to the moment because then you stop waiting. You stop waiting for someone to be different. You stop waiting for another moment to be different. You stop waiting for yourself to be different. And you start, it frees you up to start giving what you do have and everything that is available within you 
to the moment and to each person now and now and now and now and now. And I think there's a tremendous freedom when we're, when we're not holding back from life, when we're not holding back from the moment. Yes. I love that you said radical responsibility and brought up the point with entitlement. I was mm. reading recently, uh, there's the two different types of entitlement. It's people that say, I suck and everyone else is amazing, or I'm amazing and everyone else sucks. And with mm. both of those two mindsets, you're waiting for other people. You're constantly at the mercy for other people, or you feel entitled to, my life is terrible, so I deserve all these terrible things that happen to me. That's a version of entitlement. Or even mm. if it's my life, I mean, I'm amazing. Everyone else sucks. So I deserve the most amazing of everything. And I deserve everyone to give me everything all the time. That's the other kind of entitlement. So it's interesting to make sure you're not on either ends of those spectrums mm -hmm. and to learn how to take that radical responsibility for your life. And it's like, um, Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And it's saying that I'm taking responsibility for my life, regardless of what other people say around me, do around me, think about me, regardless of any of those things, I am who I am. Doesn't matter what people give me or what I used to think that they owed me. You can let go all of those things and live the life you want, how you want, whether or not your family members who you've always tried to impress and prove yourself to, are going to be impressed or if you're mm -hmm. going to finally prove yourself to them, why don't you let that go and follow mm -hmm. those dreams that you have in front of you? So I'm curious to ask you this greatness and, and looking at Oprah and looking at Michael Jordan, this greatness we see on the media, we see these extremes. We really do. And I am someone, I think that your message is so similar in the language that I use. Like it's interesting to hear you talk because I'm not trying to like, Oh, I'm just like you, but I do hear a lot of the things you say. I'm like, Oh, I love that phrase. I say that too. Oh, this is great. So I say a lot, uh, surrender to your own greatness and like unleash the dreams within like all that stuff. Um, but I was reading recently the, something that really made me pause and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. I was reading in a book that this, the extremes that we're exposed to in the media can oftentimes make us feel like we're like almost put us into a depressed state because we see these extreme, extreme people living these great lifestyles and we want it. And while I think it's great to have these inspirations to excite us and help us to expand our dreams and live larger and make new goals, it's wonderful. But for the people that maybe are constantly grappling for the next step and the next step and next step and and maybe they're completely happy just not doing all of these huge things how do you find that balance to not get overwhelmed and have this double-edged sword of the media type of greatness and really tap into what greatness means to you even if it's just having uh, one kid and a dog and a picket white fence and being at home and having a nine to five job. Like maybe that to you is greatness. How can you find that version for yourself without letting the media's expansive versions of greatness take a hold of you too much? Right. So I would say that, you know, whether it's Martin Luther King or Oprah or Gandhi or Elon Musk or whoever we see in the media, you know, Jordan, they're just showing us the possibility in different domains and in different areas of life for what's possible. I mean, Jordan may not be, Michael Jordan may not be the best example of a husband or, 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 you know, Gandhi may not be the best example of a financial advisor. I mean, or, or, or someone who manages money. But so everyone has a different gift 
and a different purpose, a different function, and a different gift that they are here to bring forth in this lifetime. So I think firstly, we have to recognize that we all have unique gifts, and we have to recognize and honor that and not compare ourselves to anyone else. So many of these people just showed, they just showed us what's possible. You know, uh, uh, Mother Teresa showed us what's possible in the realm of, of loving, you know, our love capacity, but I'm not sure if she would show, show us what's possible in the realm of, uh, let's say, uh, being a wife, because she, she, you know, she wasn't married. She was married to the divine. So, but her capacity to love is really what we're all capable of. We're all capable of that. And so to me, it's not, it's about recognizing that we all have unique gifts and rather than focusing and comparing ourselves is to honor each person's unique expression as a unique expression of the divine, but then to also honor and bring the attention back on ourselves, honor our own unique expression, our unique gifts, find out what that unique gift is. I think real greatness is not what you achieve. Real greatness, real success is not simply what you attain physically, because anything that we attain physically in this world, Everything in this world is transitory. Experiences come and go. Relationships come and go. Bank account fluctuates. You know, real estate. None of this stuff you take with you, it's all transitory. To me, real greatness has nothing to do with external factors, but is all to do with an inner state of being. Mm-hmm. I believe that real greatness, I believe we, we ultimately incarnate into this human experience because we all have certain lessons that we're here to work out and learn. Some people call it karma. So to me, real success is the degree to which you, you are growing and evolving and becoming your most authentic self. Real greatness, real success is the degree to which you are learning the lessons for which you were born in any given moment, in any given situation situation in any given relationship you know real success is the degree to which you are being who you really most authentically are to me this is real greatness real greatness is 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 being your your, the most authentic version of yourself and i think the greatest gift that we have for the world doesn't matter whether you're jordan oprah or the person on the street you know that no one will ever hear about or the person's shining shoes real greatness is i think the degree to which you are being yourself. Yeah, that, to me, that is the greatest gift you can give the planet is the degree to which you are being yourself fully, not trying to be someone else, not trying to be a version, but you being yourself because then you get, then, then energetically you provide the space and you inspire those around you to be more fully themselves. And I think if everyone is being more fully, authentically themselves, their real selves, then the effect of that is is really huge. So I think, you know, that's 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 real real, real greatness. And, and and so the realization, at, even on a deeper level, the real realization of who you are, the real realization of who and what you actually are, which is we often think, oh, I'm this body, I'm this title, oh, I'm Oprah, I'm this, you know, this identity, that what we really are, the, the identity, the ego is always changing. It's not great, great. What's really great is the depth of, you know, our soul, our being, our true divine nature, our pure essence. And I think the more we can, you know, surrender to that, like I look at people like Mandela, I look at people like, uh, Martin Luther King. I look at some people. To me, they weren't great just because of what they achieved on the surface. What made them really great was their ability to surrender their egos, to surrender themselves, surrender their wills to the divine. Their ability to surrender their desire 
their ego self to what it was that was actually seeking to happen through them, their ability to surrender their lives and in that be used by life itself. So I think what, to, to, to really attain true greatness, not ego greatness, requires a shift from simply asking oneself, what do I want for my life? What do I want? To really opening to what is it that wants me and our willingness to to let go of the life that we think we should be living, we think we should be having, and actually open to what is the life that's seeking to express through me? What is the most, what, what is the universe seeking to do through me? That's why I say our visions and our dreams choose us. Our visions and our dreams don't belong to you or right. They belong to life. And you and I are simply the vessels and the vehicles to express for which those dreams and visions and life will express to. We are the vessels. And I think the more we recognize that, uh, real greatness is what moves through us. Real greatness happens. So what made Mandela and, and, and Gandhi and Martin Luther King great was they surrendered themselves to, mm -hmm. to what, it, what it is that is great, what it is that is great, what it is that is, is actually living life right. in divine consciousness, whatever label you want to put on that, because that, to me, that's what's great. And it's yeah. what we all are, essentially, at the deepest level. Yeah, and being open to change into a new interpretation. I love having goals for myself. And whenever I feel like a dream is choosing me, then I, I go with it. But I don't put all my eggs into one basket thinking this is it for the rest of my life. This is how I'm going to feel. This is who I am, X, Y, and Z. Because I have my own ideas of who I'm supposed to be and my purpose. And, you know, I am Madeline, the motivational speaker, life coach, X, Y, Z. But what if God's like, hey, yeah, that's cool. But I also have this, 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 and this plan for you. Mm -hmm. And your teeny tiny only using 10% of your brain can't really comprehend what I have planned for you. So don't get too set on that because awesome stuff is coming in the future. And if you're going to be so closed off to this image that you have of yourself, you're going to miss out on the doors that I'm opening for you to step through to go into that future you that I have planned. So switching gears a little bit, I love the relationship stuff that you talk about, like breaking up and going through transitional periods and you do F uh, Facebook lives about these. But I have, every time I start talking about relationships and breakups on my podcast, I get like 20 hands raised. I'm like, oh, hey, I needed that. I needed that. I needed that. So I think you'd be a great person to kind of dive deeper into this and to breakups because it just seems to be a very common theme with my audience right now. So many people keep emailing that me about like, um, I'm in this 12 year relationship, this five year relationship, and I know it's wrong, but we're going to get engaged and it kills me. It hurts because if, like from, from an outsider, I'm like, okay, you're in a five year relationship, you're engaged and you're telling me a complete stranger it's wrong. And mm. then they followed up with, what do I do? And to me, it's, you already know what you need to do, but I also know what it's like to have those doubts of, well, what if it's just me and I'm not trying hard enough and this relationship's the right one and it's meant to be? Obviously, there's a reason you feel like it's not the right one and you have to take steps. What kind of advice would you give to someone who would, who would reach out to you, Coot, and email you saying, I'm in a relationship, I know it's not the right one, but what if I'm just not trying hard enough? What would you say? What would your instincts be to say back to this person? I mean, look, it's all, it, I don't think there's, you know, one set answer of what I would say for sure, because each person has a unique situation, unique relationship, unique angle, unique experience with that person. But if they're telling you, I know it's not right, and they're telling you, I know this is not going to work, but I'm going to get married, then I think it's pretty obvious that they know. 
So they don't really need me to, to tell them what to do because they know what they need is the willingness to tell the radical truth to themselves and then the courage to follow through on what they know. Because I think what, what often keeps us stuck is all the ways we lie to ourselves. And that person, you, you know, is often simply afraid of the consequence of what will happen, which will be if I tell the truth and I follow through, then obviously I'm going to break up and then what will happen? You know, so what often happens is we know the truth, but we deny the truth. We don't trust our intuition. We feel mm, something's, something's a little off here. Something's not quite right, yet we ignore it. We pretend. We, we, we distract ourselves. We disconnect ourselves. But if we're feeling it, and, and I look at how many people end up breaking up. And then once they come to me or they come to my events or seminars, they break up and, and then they'll, then they'll say to me, but I knew, I knew, I, I knew. Yeah, you did know. So self-betrayal is not worth it. Not honoring your feeling, not honoring your intuition. Nothing is worth it. You must want the truth and you must be more committed to the truth than living a lie or them being in a relationship that you know is not right. And if you know it's not right, then getting married, having a kid is not going to make it right. It's just going to ex likely expose it to be even more wrong, which you already know. So I think that that person simply has to face the truth and make a choice. And if you're going to get married, even though you know it's wrong, then you have to, I would say, own it. Own the truth. Burn in the truth. What I mean by that is simply say, I know this is wrong. I'm going to get married. I am choosing. I am choosing. I am consciously now choosing a wrong relationship. It's full responsibility again, right? I am consciously choosing to suffer. It's going to be suffering. This fight, this relationship is going to be suffering because I already know it's not right. I'm choosing that. I am choosing to suffer. It's, it's like full ownership because what will often happen is people say, I know it's not right, but I'm going to get married anyway. And then they'll go to therapy, they'll read, read books, go to a seminar and go, I'm not sure why, what's going on, I'm not sure. But, but the truth is we already knew. Mm. And I think and the willingness to just feel the, the insanity of our choice, to feel our own, consciously feel. Because what will often happen is we feel it's not right, then we kind of tell the lie to ourselves, and then we kind of like check out that we don't have to feel the pain of what we know and, and we don't have to actually make a real decision. And then we kind of like uh, half checked out. But when you're fully conscious to your truth, when you're fully conscious to the decision you're making, which is painful, which is betraying yourself, which is not trusting your intuition, I believe there's only so long you can do that until it's too much. There's only so long you can say, this is what I'm doing. I know it's not right, but hell, I'm going to consciously choose this anyway. It's only so long you can keep doing that until eventually you have to make a different choice. So tell the truth, feel the truth until you realize nothing and no one is worth not living the truth for. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, you can't really have an honest relationship. And then everything else is based on that. Mm, so true. With that responsibility, with taking ownership, you're gaining a lot of power even though it's not necessarily going to end up to the optimal result, living a, a, a happy, 
uh, having a happy relationship that you want. At least you're the one in control. You're the one that has the power. It's not happening to you. You made it happen, so you can take that responsibility. And if you're taking responsibility, that means that you can you can choose something else. You can go in a different direction because you're not constantly at the mercy of life and circumstances. You know that you do have power and you do have control over what direction your life goes in. And you're not going to be playing that blame game. So I do love that advice. Do you have anything to say about people that are currently going through the breakup period and how they can focus on using that time as um, the time to get on their feet and to know that they are more um, capable of being on their own than they believe? Because that's another thing I've seen, especially with the women I work with, is they were married for so long and now... Um, they are getting a divorce, and there's the fear of I can't do this alone. Finances, all the stories pop up. What what would so, kind of, right. so yeah. what I would say is number one, they are the, they are likely just stories, mm-hmm. and those stories aren't reality. Right. That deep inside of you is a power, and that prior to that relationship, you survived, you functioned, and you survived prior to that relationship even showing up in the first place. And likely, post this relationship, you will survive and you will make it, even though it's challenging, even though it's hurting, even though it's painful currently. Uh, You know, if you're going through a breakup, look, there's some things I'll say, but first thing I'll say is, it's never easy, and it's okay. Maybe your heart's breaking, maybe you're in a lot of pain, maybe you're feeling like your life's falling apart. It may be painful. It's okay to grieve. Feel it. What we often do many times when we break up is we, because it's painful, we don't want to feel the pain. So we numb it. We avoid it. We distract it. Sometimes people even just jump right into another relationship so they don't have to feel the pain of the breakup, which is the worst thing we can do. I think the quickest way to truly move through a breakup, the quickest way to really get over a breakup is your willingness to sit with yourself, the willingness to not distract yourself, the willingness to feel your pain. If you can sit and feel your pain, not wallow in it, not indulge it, but feel it as it comes up because the grief, the sadness, the anger, whatever emotion will come up in layers. It will be in waves. Some will come up today, maybe another layer tomorrow, another layer tomorrow, another layer a few months from now. And then maybe at the grocery store, you see your your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and it's like, oh, another layer comes up. It's okay. You're human. So grieving will happen in stages and in layers. And the best thing you can do is to face it head on, feel it, experience it, let it go, knowing that no feelings last forever. No feelings are permanent. What you feel, you can experience. What you experience, you can release and let go and process through. For me, the quickest way to let someone go and move through a breakup and the pain of a breakup is to is is to just feel the feelings that are coming up as they're coming up so that I can let them go. So and really have tremendous love and compassion and tenderness and kindness to yourself. Real healing is the application of love to those parts of yourselves that are hurting. So especially during that moment of breakup is when you is 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 when you need the most tenderness to yourself, is when you need to bring the most kindness to yourself, is when you need to be the most loving with yourself. So in that moment, bring the kindness, bring the loving, do the self-nurturing, surround yourself with loving experiences, with loving friends, but also look at and journal and sit with what are the lessons that you learned from that relationship, which is why I encourage you not to just run and distract yourself with another uh, relationship or, or distract yourself with life, so to speak, so that you don't actually investigate and explore 
the the unraveling and the lessons for that relationship in the first place i believe that you know relationship the real purpose of relationship is about growth that you and that person first came together because you and that individual had certain lessons to teach each other and two people come together because they're going in a similar direction and a similar pace at a similar time frame with a similar vision with similar values and and so here you are with certain lessons to teach each other some call it certain karma to to work through together if you have that understanding of the real purpose of relationship that it's not just to hang out go to the movies have sex have a few babies and then die although that's all great and amazing and wonderful but the real purpose ultimately is for the evolution of your consciousness the real purpose of relationship is you come together for the evolution of your souls to support and serve this soul and that soul you're both of your souls to grow and evolve so that you can become more of who you really are and so that you can both learn the lessons for which you came together in the first place now the challenge becomes if one person is going in a completely different di- if your partner is going in a completely different direction or if you are outgrowing the other person and the other person isn't growing or isn't willing to grow or your values completely shift and you start growing in totally different directions and it becomes incompatible or or you just learn the lessons or maybe you just learned the lessons for which you first came together in the first place, then it's going to put pressure on the relationship. Either you communicate that, you recreate your relationship so that you can learn new lessons together, or you realize that, wait a second, perhaps our reason for coming together and our season is complete. So often in our culture, we judge a success of a relationship simply by you stay together forever. I know many couples that are together for 67 years and they are freaking miserable. They are so unhappy. They hate each other. They don't even talk to each other. They live separate lives. Some are cheating on each other, but they're still married. To me, that's not real relationship. They're living in a museum of the past. Relationship is present moment, moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. It's a moment to moment commitment to love in this moment. A moment to moment commitment to love based on who you are today, not who you were yesterday. So if you're in a breakup or you're thinking about going through a breakup, I would invite you to ask yourself this question. If you haven't quite broken up yet, but maybe you're right there. If I met this person today, if I met my partner today, if I met my, my, my husband today, would I date him? If I met my wife today, would I go out on a date with him today? If you can't answer yes, you might have a little issue. If who you've become is so not compatible with that person today, I invite you to be really honest about that. And often we're afraid to be honest about that because we don't want to break up. So, in our culture, we often deem success as staying together. I don't believe that real success in a relationship is staying together. And if you're in a breakup, I want you all to hear this. The real success in a relationship is evolution of your soul, the evolution of your conscious, consciousness, and learning the lessons that you and that person attracted each other into each other's lives in the first place. When you learn those lessons, you're complete. Complete might mean you recreate your relationship to something bigger or you move apart. And so long as you learn your lessons, I believe your relationship is a success. So if you've broken up, that doesn't mean you're not enough. That doesn't mean you screwed up necessarily. It doesn't mean you failed. It might just mean the reason for which you've come together is complete. So I invite you, regardless, if you've broken up, you've broken up. It's done to honor yourself, to love yourself, to do the things I said. But also, I just would like to, this might sound strange, to congratulate you 
congratulate you for potentially graduating to the next level of your soul's evolution. Because as you now break up, you get to reflect, you get to expand, you get to shift your energy, you get to really check in with yourself and find out who you are now and what you really want and what, what really resonates for you so that you can demand, invite and invoke and create the space within yourself to invite the next level of partner that can reflect who you are today. So a breakup, I think, is a portal and an opportunity to graduate to the next level of your life. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. I love that you pointed out that we judge relationships based on how long they last and if they're lasting. And if that's success, but success is the evolution of your souls. I, whenever I was going through my last breakup, I had a friend kind of point this out to me in, in a very more, you know, different, like blunt way, not as inspirational, but she was just saying like, you know, people think that relationships are just supposed to be forever. And, and sometimes they're just meant to be for that season, you know, the season, reason, lifetime. And that the way she said it was just so eye opening because I was wanting to go through this breakup, but I just had so many doubts of fear of being a failure. I failed at this, but if I had that same mentality when I was a fifth grader with my first boyfriend, then, <laughs> oh my gosh, where I would be now, it'd be so much different than where I am today. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, I know you're a busy guy. You got somewhere to head off to. So I have just a couple questions I want to ask sure, you sure. for the quick fire round. Sure. Um, before we do that, where can people connect with you? I will have the links in awesome. the show notes, but just awesome. so they know. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I, my new book, You Are the One, uh, which you mentioned came out. Uh, they can go to www.youarethe1book.com, which will take you to Amazon, but you can get free gifts there. It's an amazing book. It's been, you know, uh, raved. Uh, everyone from Don Miguel Ruiz to Jack Campbell have raved about the book. And it's really a love letter from my heart to you. So I, I would love for everyone to check the book out and let me know what you love about the book and what your favorite passages are there. And uh, make sure you get the free gifts there. You can also um, go to Facebook. I'm on Facebook a lot. Facebook, Instagram, social media. Say hi there if you enjoyed this interview. Let me know you heard uh, me on Maddie's show. And, uh, well, give you a big hug, virtual hug in return, wherever you are around the world. Also, uh, I do an event twice a year that I'm really passionate about for those that feel ready to tap into their, to discover who their true and most authentic selves and give their gifts to the world and live their purpose and share that with the world. I do an event called uh, Boundless Bliss Bali. So the website for that is www.boundlessblissbali.com. And our next event is uh, in December. Oh, sweet. I'll have to check that out. Well, awesome. awesome. And um, just real quickly, a few quick fire round questions for you. Number one, who would you cast to play you in a movie about your life? Who would I, <laughs> who would I cast to play me in a movie about my life? Um, wow. They've never been asked that question. You, can, you said quick fire round, but, you know. know. <laughs> Maddie, all the other questions I just fired off, and this one has had me stuck. Give me like ten sec, ten seconds. Who would I cast? Take your time. I know I say quick fire, but they're actually like pretty tough questions. I need to change it to like long, long. You fire. know, Leo DiCaprio. How's that? Oh, that's perfect. That would be awesome. I love. That. We look a little different, but hey, he's he's got he's got the energy. Um, what is your favorite meal right now? My favorite meal right now. Gosh, you know, look, I, my mother's Japanese. I grew up on sushi. I love fish. Anything sushi related. What's a must-read book besides your book, obviously? 
must read book, uh, different books, honestly, based on different stages of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> a must read book that I think is a classic of all time. It's a spiritual book. Okay. It's a book on consciousness, but it's timeless. It's called I Am That by an Indian mystic guru called uh, Nisagadatta. Maharaj. It's a yellow and black book. It's five, six hundred pages. It's huge. You can only read like two pages at a time before you, your brain just explodes. And uh, it's, it's a timeless book and it's not something that you just read. It's a transmission. I love it. I'm going to check that out. Um, if you join the circus, what would your job be? If I join the circus, what would my job be? Wow. This is interesting <laughs> questions, Maddie. Uh, if I join the circus, what would my job be? I would be, hmm. you know, I, I would like to be flying around. I don't know if it's called with a trapeze, but those people flying, I'd like to be flying around in the air. Yeah, the trapeze artist. That's awesome. Yeah, just flying. Um, okay, two more questions. And I'm going to ask you, what's your morning routine look like? Oh, morning routine. That's a simple one, um, but not so simple one. Uh, morning routine is very simple on one level. I exercise every morning without question. Uh, I make my workout and exercise. Sometimes I jog in the morning uh, five, six miles, uh, probably two, three times a week. And then the, the other four days I'm in the gym. Uh, light weights, workout, cardio combined, an hour and 15 minutes. But I do that without fail every morning, no matter where I am, whether I'm in, ba- whether I'm facilitating my Bali event where I'm sleeping two hours a night, I'll go running, literally. doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and, and what I find is the exercise just resets my whole body. And so it's a non-negotiation. Many people go, could I find it so hard to exercise? You have to make, you have to choose to not make it a choice. You have mm-hmm. to choose to not make it a choice. And uh, if you're having trouble exercising and working out, choose to not make it a choice. Secondly, if you're like, well, I can't go to the gym. Okay, just at least put your gym clothes on and show up at the gym and just hang out. Just just, just like go, go lounge in the gym. Because if you just get there, the rest will take care of itself. I love that. I Yesterday I was – see, I like to do yoga and – I did yoga last night, but earlier in the morning, I was like, I'm going to do some morning yoga. I ended up just laying on my mat for like 15 mm. minutes. I didn't do any stretches, but it was it was really nice just to be on the mat. And eventually, I did go to an actual class. But There you go. Um, it was nice just to be on it. Okay, last question. I'm going to ask you, who are who's the three people you would invite to a dinner party? The three people I would invite to a dinner party? Three living people, right? Or- living or, or dead. Living or dead. Wow. Um, mm, so many choices out of the billions of souls that have ever lived. Um, I mean, I, I would have to say, look, I, I mean, I could say an Oprah. I could, but I would probably have to say I would invite Buddha to the conversation. Uh, the, the, the Buddha who uh, definitely enlightened a lot of people. Um, I would probably invite Jesus because you've got to have Jesus if you've got Buddha to the conversation. There should be a, a hell of a conversation there. And um, probably more for my own boyhood, personal reasons, one of my boyhood heroes, Bruce Lee. It was all about be like water, be like water. That was his, his whole thing. So Bruce Lee. 
Oh, it's a great party. I want to come. <laughs> you can imagine, right? I, now I'm just trying to imagine what everyone would be eating. But that sushi, <laughs> naturally, right? Everyone would be eating sushi. Um, that is sweet. Thank you, Coot, so much for coming on the podcast. This conversation is was amazing. Like I, I'm going to have to listen to this several times over, just absorb all the, the different gems you said. So thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully I can get you on again in the future. And I'm just really excited for everyone to reach out and let you know what they learned from it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Everyone, this is episode 122 of the podcast. You can go over to the show notes on my website, maddiemoon.com, to get all of his links, to order the book. And while you're there, if you haven't yet signed up for your free course, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life, you can do so. And I'll see you guys next week. 